Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I've got a fantastic guest for you for the holidays, Lisa Sakai, and she's dubs herself your bucket list accelerator. And she's a financial consultant who works with clients. And we're today we're going to talk all about financial independence, building a lifestyle, and so much more. Retirement planning, best way to save is a four hundred one k enough. And uh, I'm happy to welcome her to the show, Lisa. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm happy we were able to get you on, and I know, um, and then uh, kind of set the stage in your experience and how you got to do what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. I'll take a long story and make it short because, of course, <laughs> everybody's journey is too long to tell on a podcast. But um, basically, I was um, I started my career in Hollywood, um, enjoyed it, but didn't find it necessarily satisfying. I had a vision to help more people than I really was able to there, obviously. So I went completely opposite into teaching and found that it was a little too um, bureaucratic and too many, you know, too many things. And plus, I didn't get the chance to work with my kids or my clients, you know, all the way through their schooling. I could only I can only help them during the year that I was working with them. So um, our industry loves teachers, especially in the insurance side of things, because we can explain things in a way that, you know, a little easier way than than the financial gurus who got out of school and talk about all the stuff that people can't understand. Um, so I started on the insurance side and I moved into full financial planning, investment management, and really I see my role is to help people live their best life, basically. How do they get to really what everybody's ultimate goal is, which is financial independence, financial freedom, and being able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and having no restraints in life. That's that's kind of everybody's goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea of, um, you know, since transition from early retirement or uh, FIRE, the FIRE movement, to kind yeah. of work optional because, you know, even you retire early, um, you know, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? It's, you can't yeah. just sit on a beach all day. It's, it gets boring. Exactly. After <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I specialize in working with people who want to retire early. And that's a big part of our discussion is, are we truly retiring early? Or are we, you know, going to do yeah. some side projects or something like that? Because it's just a matter of what are you going to do with your time more than anything. And I found that, and I see this actually with with traditional retirement too, is that when people retire at 65, they think life's going to begin and 
all of that. But a lot of times they lose their purpose in life. They're not quite sure who they are without their job. Kids are gone. You know, if they have kids, if not, you know, it, it just, they're not quite sure who they are. They might go on a trip and decide that they actually don't like international travel because it's a lot of headaches and <laughs> and it's a pain sometimes. And they they find that the things that they thought were going to fill their lives maybe isn't it. And it's really a kind of a weird time. So you're just kind of experiencing that earlier with the fire movements. I agree with you. You know, it's kind of work optional kind of idea, you know, get to do the work you want to do and not necessarily work for a paycheck uh, has to has to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, um, you know, what better place to start than the educational system? And you made a really interesting point is, um, you know, you know, something's wrong is when education becomes bureaucratic, because um, one thing is I was talking about with a prior guest is why doesn't school teach us financial literacy? They're teaching us like Pythagorean theorem and calculus and Latin as well. You know, that's a dead language. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't they teach us about finances? It's so true. There's a there's a um a report, or I guess he's not a journal a journalist, I should say, a writer. He does financial writing. He wrote the psychology of money. His name's Morgan Housel. And if people haven't read his stuff, he's great. And he was saying on a podcast recently, we don't teach about health and we don't teach about financial planning or personal finance. And those are the two most important areas of your life, right? And that's what we don't teach in school. And I totally agree. It's funny because I think health and wealth go go together a lot, mainly because they're two kind of, we think there's a formula, but there really isn't a formula because everybody is so different. Like health-wise, I mean, you you know this better than anybody, like health-wise, there's your metabolism's different than this person's metabolism. You react differently to this diet when that person reacts this way to this diet or to run. Some people are great at running. Some people can't stand running, but, you know, doing the elliptical works for them, you know, so it's not like a formula. And the same things with financial planning is everybody thinks there's this formula that I don't know about that everybody else seems to get, but I don't know about. And what is it? And there's really not a formula. I hate to say it. It's about a balancing act. It's about knowing what you want, staying focused on what you want, um, being flexible when you need to be flexible, and having a steady hand with the markets and not letting your emotions take over that kind of stuff. And so there's not really a formula on things. And so they should teach things like balancing your book and how to live within your means, which those are, there are some formulas for that, but they don't teach any of it anymore. I mean, I had a 24-year-old call me, I have clients that young, and he was like, you want to check and I I have my checkbook here and he goes, I have no idea how to fill this out because he's never had to. He's 24. Like, when do we do checks anymore? <laughs> so he was embarrassed, but he's like, I figured I could learn from you. I'm like, it's okay. So I taught him how to write a check. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just stuff like that happens. And it's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is that there's really no formula And if we taught it as a formula, you know, most people forget that stuff, honestly, they, they memorized it for a test and then they throw it away. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting because, um, you know, you mentioned check and the other day, um, someone was telling me to go into the bank branch and I was like, I haven't walked into a bank branch since 2002 and like, I don't have any checks, you know, for 
mean, over yep. 20 years. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but it's funny. Institutions, financial institutions were yeah. way behind the times. And then they've actually caught up quite a bit since the pandemic, but they still want a voided check. They still want a statement with your name on it. Like, it's just, it's funny how that works is they don't, they they still can't figure out a different way to, like, verified to you. Although it's funny, there's a new, there's some kind of new algorithm, at least at Schwab, this happened, where yeah. I tried to put in um, somebody's banking information, and they were like, this information doesn't connect or something like I put one number in wrong, but they can tell it's not his account. So, you know, they have some ways of checking, but they still want the the verifications of the yeah. of the voided check and stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And then I kind of want to talk about four hundred one ks because um yeah. this brings me uh, in because I'm like more recently just talking to people like four hundred one ks is not enough either. Um, but um, what is financial perfectionism? You alluded to it, but yeah. kind of uh, elaborate on it. So I'm glad you caught that. Financial perfectionism is what we think. We think everybody else has it all together and we're the ones that are floundering i think the most common thing i hear from people when i talk to them as uh -huh. like a prospect or something is we're a financial mess and that's not really true i mean there are some times i'm like oh yeah maybe we are a little bit but it's <laughs> it's okay but most of the time people have some stuff in place they've done some good work but they just think that there's that weird missing piece that they're not getting and so it almost makes it so that it's defeating to even try because we think, you know, Sally over there has this amazing house. What is she doing and what has she got everything in place and how come I don't have that in place and there must be something wrong with me. And what you're not seeing is that Sally is, you know, got very little equity because she keeps borrowing from the house and she's maybe, you know, not going to paycheck to paycheck, even though she makes, you know, way into six figures. There is a pandemic that's kind of happening right now where we have a lot of six-figure earners paycheck to paycheck right now because it's all about, you know, keeping up with the Joneses a little bit too much. And so I call it kind of financial dysmorphia almost because we take that vision of what we think everybody else is doing and we think we're such a mess when it comes to things. And it's really not true. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting because another... I was reading where, um, you know, financial independence and, you know, being able to retire early, it's not about this magic formula. It's more about habits, like savings and uh, yeah. living within your means and, you know, not yeah. keeping up with the Joneses and all. <laughs> um, exactly. Now, and everybody thinks it's the rate of return you're supposed to be getting, but it's yeah. really those components that you're talking about, saving, living in your means, knowing what you want. And make sure that you're wanting things for you and not necessarily to impress yeah. other people yeah. um, and keep up with everybody else. Yeah. And which brings us to this next question, because um, what's really interesting is because my grandparents, their generation was all about the government's going to save you via Social Security. Mm -hmm. And then my parents' generation was like, the only way to financial independence is through a job and through pensions and working 60 years. And yeah. so kind of my generation, I'm a Xennial and kind of millennials, they're saying 401ks, that's going to be the thing. And now it seems like 401ks are not going to be even enough. So kind of yeah. talking about strategies beyond the 401k. 
Yeah, it's true. It's kind of interesting because I was reading something and for, I don't think people realize, I think it was like, I might have the year a little off, but I think it was like 1979 is when the first 401k was available. That's not that long ago. I mean, I was born in 81, so that's not that long ago. I mean, it's what, 40 something years. And so essentially it's funny because we're not used to having to take care of ourselves on the money side, because like you said, government's going to help us. (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, pension's going to get us through there. And so we're not as used to doing this. And it's really only one or two generations that have done this. So I totally agree with what you were saying. Um, I think the thing with the 401k that I think is the problem when it comes to, you know, whether it's enough or not is there's two things. Depends on what you're trying to accomplish, right? Because if you're trying to accomplish early retirement, it's not the optimal vehicle to use because you have the 59 and a half rule and and taxes on on the money that you've deferred, especially if you're using the traditional 401k part of it. So it's not typically the most efficient vehicle to put in if that's your goal. Mm. If your goal is, you know, defer tax, it might be. Um, even the Roth 401k can can sometimes get you there because at least the Roth portion is something you can get to. You can always get to your principal, right? You've paid tax on it. Um, not in the 401k, but if you roll it out. But essentially, it's one of those things that there's a lot of different components with 401ks and they've gotten very expensive. And so a lot of times people aren't realizing how expensive they are. So sometimes those can derail your plans because if you're in a fund that's, you know, one and a half or 2%, plus you're paying advisory fees, which people don't realize that they are, but they are, mm. um, then, you know, it can be an expensive vehicle to put money into. Mm. And a lot of times the unfortunate part about the 401k is that we don't really watch it that much. We kind of have our fund. It's usually a target date fund that we've chosen, which is fine. Um, but we don't really watch what's going on. So mistakes kind of happen sometimes. Like I've had people who have had money being going into going into cash for like three years because they never bothered to look at their 401k. Well, that's not going to do very much good, especially since the market was up those three years. So Mm. we just have to stay really relevant on, you know, paying attention to it, not necessarily leaning into the automatic side of things because that's the thing is when it's automatic you kind of don't pay attention to it which is good and bad in my opinion good because it gets you to do it but bad because you're not paying attention to it so it's not always the best vehicle out there so i think that there's a love hate i have a love hate relationship with 401ks um but i think in some respects it can be a really good vehicle but it can also hinder people down the line um, because you have, you know, people don't know this, especially younger generations, but you have a thing called a required minimum distribution that has to come out. So let's say you're doing really well, you've saved outside of your 401k and boom at 73, you now have to take out what the government tells you to take out of your 401k and pay tax on it. <laughs> now you're letting government tell you how much you have to take out as a minimum. I mean, it just turns into, they can turn into a problem at estate planning and generational tax on it has been a mess. There's just a lot of different things that can happen when you defer tax right now. So it's a balancing act, you know. Like I said, it's kind of, um, it, I like how you're describing 401ks as strategic. It's not just just putting it in. It's kind of like you have to have a reason for doing that. Yeah. Um, 
Otherwise, it's just sitting in, they call it retirement jail. It's just can't do anything. (laughs) uh, Oh, yeah, exactly. That is a great way. I might borrow that from you. Yeah, I totally uh agree with that. I think the thing that the reason that it's a great vehicle to take advantage of, right? If it's there and there's a match and there's things, it's great. But at the same time, we have this thing in our in our world, at least in the financial world, we put everything in automatic, automatic savings, automatic contribution, automatic, automatic. And yeah. the thing is, automa- automation is great, but there are technical difficulties that happen. There are changes that happen in your life. And it also doesn't allow you to challenge yourself a little bit. Like with a 401k, let's say you're making, I don't know, 150000 okay? And you're putting 22500 because you're under 50, which is the max, at least for 2023. And, um, and you could put away more, but you're not because that's the max and I've hit the max. And so you don't look for anything else to do because you're not actively involved with your saving strategy. Same thing with, you know, if you're saving into a bank account or into a brokerage account or something, you're not challenging yourself to do better and to and to push a little harder if everything's on automatic, right? Yeah, yeah very um, interesting. And then kind of uh, moving forward is um, you talk about for your clients, you can take a new approach, bucket list planning. Can you explain this? And- yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, I would say I kind of made it up, but I, I, I'm sure there's other people that do this as advisors. But basically what I think is that we have this concept that to be a good financial student, we're supposed to save, 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 never experience anything in life right now, and then get 65, be a multi-millionaire and retire and have the time of our life. That's not reality yeah. in life anymore. I mean, I think you agree because you're laughing. I mean, it's not the way life works anymore. And yeah. this is what we still have in our head as the as the way to do it. And So it's either like you have two kind of mindsets, which is that mindset or YOLO, forget it. I'm just going to live my life and forget about savings. And there is a balance between this, you can be a saver and still experience life. And so if we can put together a bucket list and have people experience what their money can do for them, have many goals basically and it can be a, a nice goal it can be like going to bali or it can be go to going to on a cruise or whatever it is it can be or um, my husband has a corvette fund i mean <laughs> they can be ostentatious bigger goals but to build those into your bigger financial plan allows you to enjoy your life now plus you're still saving for the future so your saving strategy includes your bucket list item that you're planning at the moment and your bigger plan. And then once you hit your goal and your bucket list plan, you can either use that money with zero guilt because that's what it was supposed to be used for. Or you can say, you know, I've changed my mind. I want to do this instead. Or, you know, forget it. I'm happy. Let's roll that into my long-term savings or let's take part of it to do that and do part of it. It gives you choice instead of running around taking all these trips without any kind of strategy of how you're going to pay for it. And then feeling that, oh my gosh, I have a $12,000 credit card bill because I didn't plan and I have no strategy of how I'm going to pay it off. Mm. That's kind of where that I've heard more times that taking a trip that they didn't plan for has started credit card debt. Mm. Um, It happens a lot. And so we want to stop that. 
from starting a crisis that could happen. So essentially, you know, building that in. And it's just a celebration that you're saving and you're building and you're doing what you're supposed to do. And we don't celebrate our wins enough when it comes to money. Yeah. Yeah. When I realized that I could fall over to kill over the next day, I started viewing money differently, kind of spending it, you know, kind of living in the moment, but also saving for the future. And um, how can people find out more about you? Um, so our website's always the best place to go. So onevisionretire.com. We've got some resources there. If people are a little afraid of getting started with this or have done some stuff, but just have, I would say, lack of confidence when it comes to their money, there's a really good resource that says that's called Baby Step Your Way to Financial Independence that they can download and, you know, and get get a resource from that. And then I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, too. So it's just yes. my name on LinkedIn. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Lisa for coming on. Uh, very well-spoken financial planning, financial literacy. I really enjoyed this discussion and be sure to follow her on all her socials. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation.